Welcome to The Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and I'm going to be king of the pirates. And this week I'm joined by my co-host, friend, and the man that I would love to be on my pirate crew, Jesse. How you doing, Jesse? I'm doing all right, man. I did just watch the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie again, so I feel like I'm up to speed on what that would entail. That's fair. Uh, as long as you don't say a vast, right? That's that's not a real thing or a joke thing. I don't. I can't remember. No, that that got uh, Will Turner laughed at when he said that. So <laughs> that was that was a no no. Yeah. Opinion. Well. I think, Jesse, uh, the world of piracy that we're about to jump into in this episode is very different than the Pirates of the Caribbean movie ones. To be clear, though, I do think uh, magic probably does run in both of them, so or some form of magic. <laughs> so I think we'll be on track. Perfect. I can't wait. Yeah. So uh, this week, we're going to be talking about something we've, or at least I've touched on before, in a previous uh what have you been consuming recently episode um for new people to the show that's where jesse and i kind of just talk about some outside stuff that maybe one of us is like oh hey i saw this interesting thing but you know maybe it's not uh the time or place to do a full episode on it or we think the other person might be interested in it and so just a little bit of you know a little bit of more of a conversational episode but with recent releases coming out here and myself being kind of a, a bit of an anime fan, I was kind of excited and scared and hesitant for a new release that's just come out on Netflix, the live adaptation of One Piece. You're anxious, huh? Can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, um, live action adaptations of other very well-regarded anime uh, manga stuff has come out and has, you know, we'll say lightly flopped onto the scene where it feels like a lot of people are like, wow, this was terrible. Why would they ever do this? Um, I looking at uh, Death Note, the live action, uh, Cowboy Bebop, the live action. Uh, also, unfortunately, did not come out as great as people wanted it to. Several other, I mean, anime live action is unfortunately a adaptation riddled place like many other adaptation uh, things we've talked about before. I thought Ghost in the Shell was okay. Ooh, don't say that. That's bad. Don't say that. <laughs> don't, don't. No, no. Take that back, Jesse. I'm serious. I thought it was a fun movie. Yeah. It wasn't the train wreck I thought it was going to be. So. Okay. I mean, yeah, not everything can be Dragon Ball Evolution, Jesse. I would certainly hope not. Good <laughs> Lord. But, yeah, so we're, we're just going to gloss. I mean, God, Ghost in the Shell, I'm very disappointed in you, sir. Um, hey, all I say is it's a, I thought it was a fun movie. <laughs> all right. We won't even get into the what is a giant can of worms of the Ghost in the Shell movie and everything that goes along with that. But uh, other, you know, live action anime movies. We're also talking about things like 
Alita Battle Angel, which was based off of manga. Uh, a lot of these are actually originally based off mangas. Um, and then, you know, was adapted into uh, some sort of form of anime. And I think the best one out of all of them, though, for at least pound for pound for giving you the feel of an anime, giving you the feel of an, a manga is, which is weird, <laughs> is uh, Speed Racer, the 2008 movie. Mm-hmm. which is critically panned but in fairness it is also just a very unhinged show it's based off of so an unhinged uh almost acid trip of a movie seems like it kind of fits in there so i mean i never saw speed racer so maybe that's one oh that's circle back to it's on max i see so. yeah it's 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 interesting it has to be clear it is artistically uh i mean the well uh wachowski's are they can put up some very interesting stuff on the screen and they definitely did that with uh this movie so i mean yeah their imaginations are pretty incredible uh execution so so yeah and to be clear i'm even saying that in the speed racer is you know middle of the pack in ratings uh i think it has a much larger fan base a lot of people enjoy it for what it is which is a over-the-top anime movie and an acid trip at that at points so it's fun in that regard and i and the other one you said elite battle angel that one looks like it was fairly well received yeah that one was okay it had some weird uh Uh, effects in it and just like kind of how they she the the main character is kind of a cyborg robot and it's kind of supposed to look kind of weird but it will never get a sequel and it is sad that it won't because it has a very good storyline it just wasn't as successful as they wanted it to be and therefore you will never get a follow-up to the what is effectively a cliffhanger at the end of the movie so it's just kind of sad but it's good. It's 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 another one of those where it embraces the unhingedness of anime or the, the unhinged nature that anime and manga can have. And that's what I think makes good anime manga adaptations is when they let it embrace the ridiculousness that is some of these stories i think there there have probably been other live action adaptations that are much more based around you know (laughs) structured centered uh more human stories over you know robot death race rollerball or speed racers ridiculousness or dragon ball z which is shooting key blasts everywhere whole thing but we wanted to talk about, or I wanted to talk to Jesse about the One Piece live action uh, um, adaptation that came out on Netflix. Those the Netflix live action uh, One Piece or Netflix's One Piece, and why potentially watching it might be a good way for you to start feeling like it's worth diving into the fourteen seasons, a thousand plus episode. Uh, event that is the one piece anime because it's worth it jesse it's definitely worth it to get involved in this <laughs> okay but when you say it like that i mean 
I know going in, there's over a thousand episodes, and this show is still in production, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they're Oda... going to add to that. Yeah, so Oda, the, the creator of it, um, I think recently came out and said, like, no, we're, like, in our final, like, arc here. We, we've, we, we're, we're reaching the end here. He also did say that uh, a while, while back that this story could be finished up in five years. Um, and One Piece has been going on close to a century. Uh, so, or not, sorry, not a century, uh, uh, going on for almost a decade now. So, yeah, you know, what's five years you know times two that's definitely what's gonna happen so yeah i i don't know man <laughs> um i would say i would probably go the other route and maybe try the live action series first because that seems like much a much smaller commitment overall <laughs> than the anime does but that's that's what i'm saying jesse is you go you watch the live action Mm-hmm. You then become you, you suddenly go like, hey, I like these characters. I like these stories. I wonder what a longer, you know, show might allow for a little bit more character development, a little bit more nuance, a little bit more, you know, uh, finesse and interesting fight and battle scenes would look like. And then you're like, OK, cool. It's like a drug, Jesse. The first hit is just a little bit. Then 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 you get sucked into the harder stuff. Gateway, you're saying. Yes, exactly. I'm trying to get you to get into the gateway that is the live action into anime One Piece. Well, we'll see. I actually haven't been on Netflix for a few months now, ever since they cracked down on their password sharing. So I didn't even know this was on there until you told me about it <laughs> yeah unfortunately as much as i would hate I, I don't want to support an evil corporation being giant jerks mm-hmm. uh this is one of those ones where we already have a netflix so therefore it's well i'm gonna watch it because oh, i sure i was curious i wanted to see because it could either be like i said before an absolute train wreck or it could be good <laughs> i wasn't expecting great i was expecting good and i think that's what we got here is good well why don't you elaborate on that a little bit what makes this adaptation less repulsive than some other attempts to bring anime to the big screen or the small streaming screen absolutely and for that i think i need to talk a little bit about the one piece world uh, as like a kind of a baseline, because I do feel like it throws a lot at you. Again, like I was saying, it is over a thousand, you know, episodes of anime. The manga is a little bit longer, shorter. It's kind of weird sometimes. Uh, it has 106 volumes, so it's hard to like do that one to one in the same like amount of time covered. Uh, but the One Piece world is really based kind of around this. The One Piece world is kind of this weird fantasy setting. Uh, it's like if you took Pirates of the Caribbean and were like, yeah, that's cool. 
but I'm going to crank that up to a 11 on the ridiculous meter. And you throw in uh, magical powers, uh, competing types of technology where you have people that are still using like musket type uh, guns, but also have cyborgs. Uh, you have sentient animals and you kind of just all wrap it around some sort of fun adventure uh, storytelling aspect. And it is just this crazy bonkers world that's out there. Um, there's certain things that uh, you have people that are able to go toe to toe with effective gods in many different ways. There is uh, magic systems or kind of like a magic system. It's uh, hockey, uh, which is the same thing. You know, it's very similar in a lot of other mangas uh, like Dragon Ball Z with key and, um, those types of things and you also have these things called devil fruits which uh give the person who eats them a like unique and specific to them kind of sort of power that could range from like our main character luffy uh who ate the gum gum fruit and turned into a rubber man and effectively has the powers of having his body be made out of rubber or you could have the uh i think there's like the fly fly fruit uh which allows you to be able to fly and that that's really it you can just now fly uh but when you eat a devil fruit the uh repercussions of eating that devil fruit is, is that you are rejected by the sea because it's angry at you i guess and so you no longer are able to function if you are like, you can't swim in salt water anymore. And so you, you drown. This world is so crazy and cool, fun, exciting. There's always new stuff happening. There's always new elements being added. I think it does a really great job of unlike certain animes where there's consistent power creep, uh, where everyone has to get, you know, better and better and better. There are, interesting ways that they go about how to not just be like oh well this person you know their power level's over nine thousand uh or it's now over ten thousand it's over you know a hundred thousand they don't it's not something like that and i know nerd fans out there that the whole introduction of the power levels was to prove that they're pointless but for context they allow the fights in this manga anime to get crazy and you actually see them like work through the thought process of like oh if i use this tactic or i do this or i kind of change this up or i'm going to do something special here it's very fun and engaging so i think the world as a whole is super cool and fun and has like a lot of little easter eggs and oda the guy that did it also is this he sometimes i feel like has this master class in how you do world building. This man in his stories integrates not only uh, Japanese culture, obviously where he's from, but okay. also it integrates like stories and themes and architecture and lore, legends, myths from all over the world. And he really does make you feel like the world of one piece which is its own world 
is truly expansive and has as much history as our world does and has as many cultures as our world does and as many races as our world does. So it's this huge expansive piece that just makes you go, wow, I want to know why they use snails as telephones in this, like sentient snails as telephones. Like, how did that happen? And it's not directly explained to the manga right away. And it eventually gets kind of like unraveled for you as you go along. So that's, I just wanted to like get uh, the overall view of one piece, or at least my kind of like uh, plebeian uh, example of it is that it's so expansive, interesting, fun. And I think kind of sort of feel that the Netflix one piece starts you in that world and gives you a taste of it that will make more and more people actually want to get involved in a thousand plus episode anime and a 106 volume manga potentially. <laughs> this is an interesting topic that we're going to revisit sometime in the near future and I'll <laughs> tell you when it's coming. But for now, you so you really do think that this show is going to have a noticeable impact in the amount of new viewers for the anime. I do because I think it does. It gives you just a little bit of a taste. I do think it's, it's the same. We've had this conversation before where we've talked about um, what we do in the shadows, right? Sure. Uh, there's the show and then there's the movie, right? I think this is one of those things that if you like the movie, then this uh, analogy here, we're going to use, uh, you know, uh, SAT type stuff here. So the one piece or Netflix's one piece is to what we do in the shadows movie as the anime one piece is to this show where the movie of what we do in the shadows gives you a taste of the world gets you kind of like, okay, this is kind of fun. I like this. This is interesting. It's fun. It's its own self-contained thing right now. It's great. It's wonderful. But if you enjoy it enough, you can go into the show and that first season, you'll be like, oh, they've kind of, I feel like they've already done this joke or like they've kind of already done this thing. But as you go on, they start developing, it develops into its own thing. And really gets you involved in kind of wanting to see more and learn a little bit more about Colin Robinson, the energy vampire who's introduced and, or I want to know a little bit more about the relationship between a familiar and their master and that type of stuff. So that's what I feel like the one piece live action is going to do for the manga for the anime is make people go, well, this is kind of fun and cool. I want to know about Zoro. I want to know more about Nami. I want to know more about Luffy. Well, great. I have a thousand episodes to burn through before the, potentially the net, the next Netflix season comes out. So, okay. But with what we do in the shadows, you have <laughs> the one movie and I believe they are on five seasons of TV, which is I think 10 episodes season. So the 50 episodes, that's math. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would buy that, but I mean, thousand episodes man i don't think anyone is 
unless you're like a fan of this show, you probably haven't watched a thousand different episodes of one show. I don't think people understand the gravity of that type of <laughs> approach. I mean, I guess you're fair, but it's that's the thing. I'm just saying, like, it will get you hooked. The fun, exciting atmosphere of the show will make you go, hmm, this is kind of cool. I want a little bit more. And then as you watch a little bit more and more and more, you'll be like, all right, cool. Next thing you know, Jesse, you're 200 episodes in and you're like, oh my gosh, why do I care about these animated characters so much? They're so great. I mean, you never know what can happen, but, uh, okay. So is the, did they release it all on Netflix already? The full season. So for the first season of Netflix's, uh, one piece, it covers around 95 chapters of the manga um, and like f the first 44 episodes of the TV or the, the anime. So it covers a good little chunk of it. Uh, the One Piece stuff is kind of broken into arcs, quote unquote. And so it covers the stuff. Uh, a lot of the stuff in the East Blue, which is the overall series of them. I know I'm saying a lot of words don't mean any actual things to anybody that hasn't seen the show. But it covers like the first portion of the first uh, saga uh, when they're still like developing as characters and things like that. And so you get introduced to a good majority of the crew uh, right out of the gate. And that is one thing that the Netflix series does kind of cut down on obviously since it's only eight episodes and we're talking that there's over you know 44 episodes um in this sequence you know some cuts had to be made so usually what they're doing here is that you are spending about one or two episodes with each new crew member and kind of the story that leads to them joining the straw hat pirates who are who's the monkey d luffy pirates and so you kind of get to experience that a little bit faster than you would in the actual anime, uh, mostly because there's a little bit more uh, there's sometimes there's some more exposition uh, happening and some other storylines and like all good manga and anime, there's a few little filler things here and there. So it maybe take a little bit longer, but sometimes those are the enjoyable things. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying like, 70 or 80 episodes that's like a whole series with a lot of shows and i i know it sounds like a lot but i'm telling you these characters like they are phenomenal and i think maybe we can touch on the live action adaptations of them and discuss uh kind of the 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 funness of the characters the starting out characters because i think uh -huh. they do a really good job of taking a lot of them and adapting them very well uh between the the casting that they picked for the actors um then also some of the editing and writing choices they they kind of made some of them make sense some of them are a little meh but then also you know they gotta like i said they gotta cut down on a lot of that stuff so for our live action depiction and i'm gonna get some people's names wrong because i think they did a great job of a very diverse cast here like you know one piece is a very it's a whole world out there so they did a very good job of diverse casting here and i'm going to pronounce names wrong i'm saying it again main character lead protagonist who is uh monkey d luffy uh the guy that ate the gum gum fruit and became a rubber man <laughs> I, I keep thinking slender man when you say that but i know that's <laughs> not right so. yeah no 
is very different. Uh, Slender Man, terrifying and scary. Luffy, terrifying and scary, but also hilarious and funny. <laughs> so just a little different. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we have Inca Gudoy, uh, who is a uh, Mexican actor. Um, and he does Luffy. The character is this unhinged, ridiculous man who's, you know, super happy and excited. He uh, essentially uh, in this like first few arcs here with these uh, crew members that he's kind of gathering up. Most of them are like, I don't actually want to be a part of your crew. And he's like, nah, you're going to be part of my crew. And they're like, I don't I don't want to be part of your crew. And he's like, you're part of my crew. And eventually they, he slowly grows on them. And like, they're like, man, this guy's ridiculous. But everyone just has a great time. And Luffy just makes friends everywhere he goes. And it's just manically crazy, but also can like throw down like a, a beast in a fight, which is just great. And I feel like this guy, as the season goes on, to be clear, I feel like the first episode, it feels very kind of awkward and stiff. It feels like he's just reading a script opposed to embodying the character. but as I kind of looked into it a little bit more, it really did feel like this guy was embracing the role. He, um, there's some great behind the scenes features of like him, like seeing the costuming, uh, getting to meet, uh, Oda for the first time. He's like super excited, always bubbly on these things. He's just amazed at everything. And I think that really goes very long way to selling him as that main character because this could have been a flop without that. And I don't think you can ever really truly get the Monkey D. Luffy that we see in the anime in live action because he probably almost would be horrifically annoying. But I feel like he does a really good job of walking that line of making me go, yeah, that's Luffy in live action. I can see it. Well, that's good. That's a positive first step. Do you know this lead actor from anything else? Because I haven't heard his name before. I don't know. So I think so. I'm going I was going through his stuff because I was like, and that's another thing they did was really well is I feel like they picked out really strong actors that were diverse and had different backgrounds. So it's not a surprise. I feel like that we've never that if you aren't in the uh, Mexico movie scene mm -hmm. all that much, you probably have never heard of him. Yeah, I see here he's only 20, so he's basically just starting out as an actor. Yeah. So I think I, I'm curious to see what he's done. And I go back and look at a few of the other things that he's done uh, with potential of like maybe being like, is this is the type, you know, was he t effectively typecast or is this what kind of range does this guy have? Okay, well, then. Bears watching, but hey, <laughs> to be the successful lead in an anime adaptation that is not a total disaster, that's an immediate feather in that guy's cap. Right, exactly. Not completely obliterated by the entire internet. Yeah, that's that's usually a good thing. That's pretty solid. Well done. So uh, next really big one is Emily Rudd as Nami, the ship's uh, eventual navigator slash cat burglar slash thief, um, who, I th again, does a really good job of kind of creating this disconnected character for very good reasons. Um, so if you start watching, you're like, man, this character kind of seems like a 
bad person. There's for good reasons. Just keep watching. You'll you'll start you you'll fall in love with her as time goes on. Um, and next one is Jacob Gibson, who does Usopp, who is Usopp's like the. <laughs> it's kind of hard to describe. So he starts out as kind of their their shipwright. Uh, but he's also like a marksman, sh- uh, specialist, sharpshooter type guy. But really, he's cunning. Um, he's like this fibber. Um, and this is where I think Oda does a really great job with his storytelling. So a fun thing about Usopp is is that his Japanese, in, in, uh, in Japanese, Usopp kind of translates to uh, lie and is also a blend of... Pinocchio, the, you know, the, the word Pinocchio, and it's kind of blended together to make the name Usopp because the character has a very large nose and also he it perf- uh, just lies so much in uh, the anime. He tells like a lot of big uh, tall tales. He like uh, always is trying to talk his way out of a situation. He's kind of like the you know, bard, uh, rogue type character. If you would uh, use D D terms, sometimes he's a little annoying. I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, there are later arcs that he's just an annoying piece of crap, but then other times he's hilarious and fun. And I feel like after they have playing him, uh, Jacob uh, Gibson does a great job of like getting that bravado, that like fake bravado that he has. The the acts like he's really really big, but he really isn't. He's kind of this liar. He does a really great job with the stories and his body movement, things like that. So they nail him too, which is just. And then we have uh, the next character is uh, Sanji. I'm saving the best for last. I promise. I'm kind of going out of order here. Some people are going to hold you to that. Yeah. Some people are like, what's going on here? Uh, The next like big, uh, big crew member here is uh, Sanji. Who is played by Taz Skyler. And Sanji is like the the master chef of the crew. He is kind of suave, kind of has almost uh, a French-inspired aesthetic to him, I feel like. Um, he's always smoking, which is a really funny thing in the uh, four kids dub of the uh, One Piece. Uh, obviously, they couldn't have him like having a cigarette in his mouth all the time, so they gave him a lollipop. <laughs> which almost makes i I almost kind of wish they would have kept like they they put play more homage to it but um that's a whole other side thing as a character sanji's your your classic womanizer also that's a big trope in uh japanese anime and mangas is you you have this like womanizer type character or a uh, a woman lover type character i think of brock in um, pokemon that type of stuff but he he's like this master cook his fighting style is something that's so unique to him so he's a master cook and he only believes his hands are for a few things and that's uh cooking and you know caressing the beautiful face of a woman that sounds like something brock would say (laughs) right yeah so how so how is he gonna fight right so he pretty much primarily only uses his legs to fight he kicks he uh you know uh does all these different types of moves all revolving around kicking and like there's even like and this is again to the 
credit of the Netflix people who had Oda as part of their production and everything else like that. So this is an adaptation that did truly have the backing of a lot of these creators and the executive producers. Um, they reproduce many iconic kind of movements and scenes of these characters. And one of them is Sanji is so over fighting and beating up people. And like, he's, he's too good for all of this type approach. He uh, has his hands in his pockets and is beating people up by like doing axe kicks and uh, roundhouse kicks and all these types of things while just still like nonchalantly, his upper body's just like standing there. And it is so fun to watch and see in live action that they were able to nail that anime and manga inspired movements into an actual live action. And the care and the actor himself, I have to give him props. He like all of these people uh, took the time and effort to get these physicalities down, get these motions down, spend all that time learning the fight choreography. Uh, Emily uh, Rudd here actually she doesn't get swapped out for some, you know, other uh, stunt double in particular. I'm not saying that she never did that. Obviously, stunt doubles have a uh, particular time and place and definitely useful. But she never she's in a lot of those scenes. You see her spinning around that baton. You see uh, Taz here actually doing a lot of these kicks and things like that. Taz also learned how to cook and actually cooked for his fellow uh, cast members to kind of fit the role more. So all of these actors have these passions. They cared about the characters. They did the research. They really looked into it. And which leads me to one of, I arguably think the best depictions mm-hmm. uh, of the Straw Hat crew, the main cast, which is the character uh, Roanoa Zorro, or just Zorro, who is depicted by, and again, terrible names, uh mccockenu who is actually a very uh a pretty famous japanese uh actor uh been in several things he is from effective uh you know cinema royalty so he himself is kind of this starts out as and is a swordsmaster bounty hunter uh zoro the character and he uses this particular fighting style uh three sword style which might be a little confusing jesse when you think about well okay three swords i've heard of people using two swords and definitely one sword where does he put the third sword and then sometimes one sword that's double bladed yes exactly so zoro's fighting style the three sword style he has two swords in his hands and then he takes a third sword and puts it in his mouth and fights like that, which sounds goofy and ridiculous. And it definitely is. But also, it's so badass. Okay. I might have to look this up just yeah. to get a mental or get a full visual here. I think Zoro as a character is admittedly one of my favorite uh, Straw Hat characters. Um, I might be, uh, as as the kids say nowadays, uh, I might simp for Zoro. Um but he is one of the, uh, I think, one of the most badass characters they have in this entire series. Uh, they do a really good job. The actor does a really good job of even depicting him as this kind of like cold-hearted, unfeeling guy, but also has like a little bit of heart of gold in there. You can kind of see it. Um, and 
the fight scenes that I, he steals the fight scenes. Uh, there's a great episode or there's like a, I think it's the second episode. There's a fight in the bar scene, which is I, if you, if you can't get through the entire thing, at least get to episode two to see that bar fight scene. They do such a great job with the camera work. It is classic, just quality. I think somebody fell down upstairs. Man, this guy really does just have one sword chilling in his mouth. Yeah, he's so cool. <laughs> I can't say I've ever seen that before, so touche, One Piece. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, the fight scenes that this guy's in in the live action is just choreography gold. Uh, like props to their fight crews, uh, props to the stunt people in this, like this, they, they did not skimp on violence either. I was, uh, I was like, you know, like in the anime, they, they, they show some pretty graphic East type stuff, but it's anime it's animated. So it's a little sometimes harder to get the full, like uh feeling of it. Like people get like holes punched through their chest and uh, you know, body parts get, you know, strewn about every once in a while. But this show, this live action goes hard. Somebody gets uh, bifurcated at one point, and it is crazy that I was like, I saw it and I was like, oh, oh, we did not cut away from that. They showed that man just getting cut in half. Okay, next level, gotcha. Um, so the fight scenes are really well choreographed. They do a great job of like showing you the action. Uh, at no point did I ever go like, oh, I can't understand what's happening because they're cutting too much. It did really feel like they took that time and effort and care to show you what was happening so you could understand and keep that story in mind. I mean, I have seen some pretty violent things in anime before, so that sounds pretty pretty much in line with you know what the type of violence I would expect. Not to that I'm dissing it or anything. <laughs> That's yeah, that sounds familiar. I think that's like kind of just just covering the main cast. I think they did a really great job of casting each one of these people. I really did believe they were the characters. I did say, you know, the first episode is a little is a little rough in certain spots with the acting, especially with um, the main character. Uh, it, it, It does sometimes feel like he hasn't gotten into it. But I feel like later on in the show, when you kind of adapt to his luffy if you're a person that's watched the anime um you have a certain voice and a certain cadence in your mind i think he does a good job of being like nope this is a, it's the same luffy but slightly different you know it's a pepsi to cola the coca-cola type thing you know they're both colas but they're just slightly different each way yeah whatever your preference is <laughs> not so much a difference in quality right exactly gotcha yeah so I think this is one of those ones where if you get to experience this live action, kind of go in with an open mind, expect to be taken for a wild ride in a fantasy world. It can really make you go, okay, this is pretty awesome. There's a few other characters in there. I won't want to spoil very much more um, because they're, I think they're pretty enjoyable to experience for the first time, but I just wanted to cover the straw hats. They are pretty famous it doesn't feel too spoilery if you're watching this to be like oh this is that like this is this one character that we just watched like a little intro to i wonder if they're going to be a main character in this next scene 
it's pretty easy to tell who's going to be part of the straw hat crew pretty quickly in this. So I don't feel too bad about quote unquote spoiling who's going to be part of the crew, but it does a great job. I feel like of introducing you to this world and really making you go, okay, cool. Take me for this ride. It's going to be a good time. Someone's going to be king of the pirates. <laughs> Pirate king. When you describe it like that, it sounds really simple, Michael, to adapt good source material to the <laughs> silver screen. Well, Jesse, as we've talked about plenty of other times, uh, it might sound simple, but apparently it's incredibly hard. <laughs> apparently so, with all the failures there have been. Yeah. But I think this one does, and they do a pretty interesting thing here too, where... Um, they take some of the story and they kind of make it an A and B storyline. So if you are, and I'm kind of talking to not just you, not just uh, people like you, Jesse, who have never in interacted with any One Piece media whatsoever, but also the people out there who maybe have interacted with the uh, One Piece manga um, or the uh, One Piece anime, is that they do kind of make this storyline of the Straw Hat Pirates and the 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 the, the Blue Sea. Um, they do kind of have this a storyline with monkey D Luffy and Zoro and Usopp and Nami and all them. Uh, and then there's this B line with that kind of isn't really done in the, the manga itself, but is done through Oda's, uh, cover stories, which are just like little panels, uh, that he puts at the front of every chapter that kind of showcase, like another character that isn't part of the straw hats. It's sometimes like, Oh, what was this character doing? when the straw hats were off doing something else. And it's just kind of a cute little thing. Doesn't usually include words. And the interesting fun thing about that is this like chapter image will come up and they're like, okay, cool. Like that was this one thing. But then like years later, it will come back up to show you like, Oh, that one random picture that was like, you know, close to five years back actually was story elements that were leading up to this, that told you, Hey, this character isn't dead. Like you thought they're recovering and now they're back type stuff. So the B storyline kind of takes some of those cover photos and flushes them out into a larger kind of story. I feel like the B storyline is strong. It feels weird for one of the characters that's an, involved in it, just based on who they are in the manga and in the anime it still works. It's still interesting. It keeps, it kind of helps you fill in some gaps about the world that takes a little bit longer to develop into the, in the other stuff because they're so focused on our main characters in the anime and the manga. Okay. Well, I have no idea when we'll be back on Netflix again at my house, but uh, when we are, I will maybe add this to the queue, Miguel, and at least give this a shot. I mean, I guess that's fair. I guess that's all I can really ask in post to you being like, Jesse, you got to watch the thousand episode anime. If if you watch the eight episode live action, I, I guess I'll, I'll I'll have to uh, uh, exist with that as a well, state of being. To quote Hermes Conrad, if I know anything about which number is bigger than the other one, then <laughs> I'm going with the eight episode live action. <laughs> Fair, fair. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share a little bit more about something that I thought was probably going to be heinous, 
Uh, I watched the first episode and wasn't super excited, but by the end, I was pretty, I was pretty on board with the the crew, the Straw Hat Pirates again, and I'm, I'm excited. It sounds like they've gotten renewed for another season, so I'm excited to see where they go, um, what they do. I am very curious to see what they adapt because there is so much out there. Um, there's obviously, like we've talked touched on a few times now there's massive story arcs there's also filler story arcs so are they ever going to get to the filler story arcs or is it just going to be uh, purely kind of more based on the manga's run over what the anime has done so yeah i look i think it's encouraging that this year we have seen more consistent quality from adaptations of things like video games and now you know you know some positive trends in the anime department so i really hope that continues and that we're learning the right lessons here but i've been burned before by the evil corporations and what they actually take away from this stuff so we'll see yeah that's fair (laughs) um but I, I am especially happy for the fans because, as he alluded to at the beginning of the episode, I can only imagine that, you know, that feeling of anxiety after seeing what happened with Cowboy Bebop and apparently Ghost in the Shell, which I guess I will go have to read more about and see what the <laughs> deal is. But uh, no, it's good. It, it never feels good to see something you love mistreated, and I'm glad that wasn't the case here. Yeah, and I think a big part of that is to uh, to credit uh, Oda, the the writer of it. He was part of this. He and I think also to the people in charge too. you know, the evil corporation execs um, by bringing him in. There was times that they went back and reshot things. Uh, they they did it right. They didn't make the entire all the sets CGI. There's actual they actually built some of these boats and physical set pieces they shot on locations in certain locations um they built uh as many practical uh props as they could and i think it really does sell the places and the people in them and it makes it feel lived in and that's a big thing that one piece does have as a a draw to it in their world and in oda's world building is that it does feel like a true lived in place it doesn't just feel like oh we're taking our main characters and we're putting them in you know we're dropping them in this situation with this backdrop and stuff you can actually feel like there's culture behind the places they're in and there are reasons that certain places look the way they look so yeah credit to them and also credit to oda for putting his foot down and being like no we're gonna reshoot this or no this is how this should be type stuff well, good, good. I'm glad to hear that as well. And hey, man, this is great that, you know, this turned out to be enjoyable for you because, you know, you have a big week coming up and you don't need these kinds of distractions in your life right now. Yeah, I, I guess so. We'll, we'll see how. <laughs> see, see how the rest of the week goes. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying if you're supposed to say something or do something and then all of a sudden ah oh, damn you netflix <laughs> one piece oh fair yeah that would be bad <laughs> it happens we've all been there yeah 
Well, uh, I think Jesse, that's it. I, you know, you, you, you gave me a, a, a tentative possible maybe, which is all I could really ask for, I guess, um, to watch Netflix one piece. Yeah. I stand by that tentative affirmation. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Hit the Reel, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. Uh, we try to get this podcast out weekly, usually on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays, depending on how much uh, I'm doing that weekend. And hey, if I missed uh, an important aspect of why the live action One Piece is, you know, a great gateway drug uh, into the greater series as a whole, please feel free to let us know at hit the real podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's hit the real podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and feel free to take a look at our Patreon in the description of the episode. We'd love the support and like always, Hey, keep it real.